Well, good morning, church. Man, that was just awesome. Well, good morning to all of you who are joining us online this morning. Man, I love Sundays. Sundays are my fun days. You're going to hear me say that a lot uh, because I absolutely love the fact that we can come together as a church and worship our awesome God and celebrate life change through Jesus Christ. And I have so much fun on Sunday morning. Sometimes you're going to think I have too much fun. Just deal with that, okay? So we're going to have some fun this morning. Hey, listen, if you're a guest with us today, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church. We love the fact that you are here with us this morning. We hope that you enjoy your time with us as well. Gang, uh, if we, as we go in this morning, open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 4. We're going to jump right into this. Jonah chapter 4, starting at verse 1 this morning. But as we, before we get into that, I want to share a couple ideas with you, some things that are coming up. Uh, I shared last week uh, that coming up on August 29th, we're having our first, uh, first ever vertical celebration. Um, yeah, there, there's about five of you that are excited. Awesome. Thank you for those five who are going to show up. There's six. Can I hear seven? I feel like I'm an auctioneer right now. Um, so vertical celebration, let's give you a little background what this is. It's kind of taking our old-fashioned business meetings that churches usually have, and we're going to punt it. We're going to get rid of those kind of things. And we're going to come together, and we're going to worship our awesome God. We're going to celebrate, vertically point to him and what he has been doing in his church, right? And then what he is going to be doing in the future. We're going to be kind of focusing a little on that. We're going to be handling some business things as well. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be sharing that details, how that plays out. How is it going to look a little bit differently? But what this does as a church, it helps us see the vision, what God is doing, right? And again, it's going to help us see the vision where he wants us to go. What, is, what does God want from us? What does God want for vertical church? What is next for us as a church? So I hope you're planning to be here. It says 6 to 8, but we're going to kick off at 445 to 6, between 445 and 6. We're going to have food trucks out there. I love food, so come and join me. I'll be here eating as much as I can. We're going to have games around. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have some fun. Then we're going to come together. We're going to worship, and then we're going to uh, just uh, take communion together and just thank our Lord Jesus Christ for everything he has done for us. Awesome. All right. August 29th, mark it in your calendars. If you are cool, you'll be here. <laughs> All right, before we get into this morning conversation, I just want to share where we're going next. I love to do this because I want to give you an idea where we're going next. Uh, starting next week, we're jumping into this series called uh, Creature of Habit. Creature of Habit. You know, like it or not, we are all creatures of habit. We like to do the same old routines over and over and over again in our lives. We, we don't pay attention, but exactly what happens. You know, we don't like change. I mean, I mean, seriously, it's like sometimes change makes our skin crawl, so that's why we build in routines so we don't have to deal with change. Do me a favor, show me by raising your hands, who here likes change? Okay, the, you're, you're weird. Um, all right, so for the rest of us, sorry, I'm just joking. For the rest of us in this series, we're going to dive into what it looks like with habits of trying to get in the deep weeds of the habits in our lives, because truly the study shows this that 40%, 40% of our lives are lived in habits. 40% of our lives are lived in habits. Now, that scares me, the fact that almost half of my life is lived on autopilot, and we don't think much of it. So what we're going to do in this series, we're going to look under the hood of life. We're going to take a look at some of our habits and see if those habits lead us to the best life. 
So this series is for all of us. I think if we're honest, this could be a game changer for many of us in this room. Because we don't pay attention to some of those habits. Some of those habits that we think that we do are not leading us to the best life. They're actually barriers to the best life. And so what I want to do, those invite cards are on your seats again this morning. I want you to hand them out. Because this is a great opportunity to invite those who who haven't been to church in a long time or don't have a relationship with Jesus. Because this series is for everyone. Because you don't have to have a relationship with Jesus to understand that you have habits in life. Now we're going to point towards Jesus. We're going to share the best life in Jesus. But a great opportunity for you to invite those unsaved friends, people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, and to come and hear how he can change everything in our lives. So that's where we're going next week. Uh, Today, we're wrapping up this series, a series white flag. This series has been geared to challenge us at the very core of our resistant nature, that rebellious nature that resides within each and every one of us that wants to do what we want to do, be who we want to be, and go where we want to go. And what we've been realizing is walking through this series is that we take that, re- that nature and we bring it before our awesome God and we look at him and say, hey, this is how we're going to do life with you. Just as we're rebellion and rebellious and resistant and everything else in life, this is how we're going to do life with you, God. We're going to be disobedient. We're going to be uh, not doing what you called us to do. We're not living how you call us to live. It's kind of like we feel like we stick our fingers in our ears. And if we can't hear him, then we're not going to be held responsible for what we're doing. So to get a good, clear picture of this, we've been looking at a story of a guy named Jonah, walking through the book of Jonah, a real guy who lived a real life, a guy who was called by God to live a life of purpose, but he decided it was easier for him to run. Now, as I've been studying through this and praying, rereading the book of Jonah, by the way, church, you're awesome. Last week, I challenged you to read the book of Jonah as a church, and your response to getting on that reading plan was crazy, crazy cool. And not only were you joining in and reading, you were engaging with your comments. Yay, church, right? That's awesome. So we're going to be doing it again in a, in a few months or a month or so. We're going to pull it again to get you in the habit, get us in the habit as a church, reading his word. But as, as I started recapping this book, as I was praying and studying even for this morning, man, I thought this is the kind of story that makes me believe that the Bible is true. Now, I'm not talking about the big fish and swallowing somebody. That, you get that in, when you're younger, you're like, that's really cool, right? You see these murals on the wall, awesome pictures. No, I'm talking about Jonah, that he was a, a man of God, He had to be a man of God, right? God called him to go preach a message. He was a man of God. But God reveals to himself that that Jonah reveals himself to be a petty, small, ugly-hearted, and if you read chapter 4 this past week, a very hateful man. Jonah in no way makes God's people look good, okay? No way. In fact, if you're here this morning and you think, well, man, the church is full of judgmental people, this story might just confirm it. See, in all truth, the story does point out all the warts and scars of a broken humanity, but also shows us alongside of that a merciful God who loves his creation. So that's what we've been digging in. This morning, we're actually going to shift gears. We're going to see this whole story from a 50-foot thousand view of what God sees. Like his, what is his plan? What is his purpose? So we're going to look from way up here because sometimes we get too close to it. So we're going to see what God sees and then we're going to zero in. We're going to look at expose the human heart. Now, 
if I'm being honest this morning, this one might hurt. This one might be a little rough. Some of you, have been, after services on Sundays, you've been walking like, you stepped on my toes, Rich. I'm like, no, I didn't. God did. <laughs> but this one might hurt. Well, let me just want to promise you this. There is light. There is healing. There is purpose at the end of it all. See, when Jonah realized that he loved and served a God of second chances, he made a decision to go back to Nineveh and preach the message of God gave him to preach. The word of the Lord hit the ears of the Ninevites, and the whole city repented from the evil ways, and it ended in chapter 3 with God's response, where it says in verse 10, you can see it on the screen, it says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from the evil ways, he relented, and he did not did not bring them the destruction that he had threatened. This is important for us to see. This is important for us to understand that when this whole city turned and, re- and repented from their ways, that God relented. He didn't bring in destruction because what happens next is absolutely mind-boggling. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4 where you're at in your Bibles this morning. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. With a Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He became very angry. Okay, so God sent him to share a message. He shared that message. An entire city turned from the evil ways. And God didn't bring destruction on them. He actually, he brought mercy into their lives and grace into their lives. And Jonah's like, this is very wrong. What? Wait, wait, Jonah, okay, let me just think of this. You're telling me God's grace and mercy in your life is warranted but not for the people of Nineveh. That's insane. Jonah literally hated what God did. It was pleasing to God what happened, but it was displeasing to Jonah the outcome. And God's anger was averted, but Jonah's anger was enticed. This is crazy, friends. This makes zero sense. See, what Jonah missed is God's grace is never fair. God's grace is never fair. It gets better. Look at verse 2. He said, he prayed to the Lord. I can't believe this is a prayer. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing Tarshish. That's what I tried to prevent. What forestall means, I had actually looked that up. Prevent from fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Okay, let's stop there again. Jonah, not only are you angry that God relented and he saved 120,000 people plus, that God's grace spared an entire city, now that you are using God's love attributes in a negative way. This is who God, you are, you are slow to get angry, you're so compassionate, you're full of love, and he's using it in a negative way like I told you, God. See, this is where we start seeing the darkness of the human heart. I'm worth it, but they are not. Jonah, deep down in his heart, didn't believe that Nineveh deserved God's grace. He literally said, I knew. I knew who you are. I know the type of God you are. I know that you're gonna, you were going to relent. I knew you were going to be full of compassion. I knew you were going to destroy them if they turned from the evil ways. That's why I try to stop it from happening. If I proclaim the message, God, I knew you were going to give them what they deserve. You're going to give them what they don't deserve, which is your grace. 
so I read stories like this. And I see a guy who's highly exposed for his, his heart. And I have to think, what about us? Friends, what about us? Who do we look at in this world and think they don't deserve God's grace? Who in your neighborhood, your workplace, your school, are you or not willing to go, right? Jonah's called to go. Jesus called this church to go. Who is it you're not going to share the message of hope? Now, listen, I know we would never admit it or say it out loud. I get that because, you know, that just wouldn't be right. But we think it. Sometimes, just by what we don't do, speaks it for us. Jonah continued on his tantrum with God, and you've got to hear God's response because it put him in his place. He says, now, Lord, take, my, take away my life. It is better for me to die than to live. Like I, just because you did what you did, God, I would rather die. In fact, if you ever read this in the message translation, he says, since you didn't kill them, God, kill me. God's response is like, okay, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? You, you, you're such a drama queen. Right? He's, you're pouting, you're kicking, you're screaming, you're pounding your fist. Man, dude, get up and man up. Because it's not about you, Jonah. My grace is not about you. Jonah, my grace has never been about you. Is it right for you to question God? Is it right for you, the creation, to turn around and question the creator himself? See, friends, God's grace is never fair by our standards, right? Again, we would never admit this, but there's many times we fall in this mindset that we are so thankful and I read it over and over this past week and it's amazing that you understand you're so, so thankful for his grace that's been poured out in my life abundantly over and over again but we fall into this mindset but it's not for the people that are over there I'm actually shocked sometimes I'm shocked and in, in, I'm including myself how, how fast our mindset changes so we come to Jesus and we're broken and we're dirty and we're empty, right? And then Jesus steps into our lives and he changes everything. We are made whole. He cleanses from our past and he fills us with his spirit. But there's somewhere, somehow along the way in this new life with Jesus, we start turning back and looking at the people that we'd lived just like and we looked at them differently. Like, oh, I can't believe they do that or they live that way forgetting that we were just like them. Now you may be thinking, come on, Rich, just I came to church to be juiced and awesome. This might be a little tough this morning. But God, listen, Jesus gave a clear example of this because he knew this to be true of those who would follow him. Luke chapter 18, Jesus shares a parable with the Pharisee and the tax collector. A parable is a fictitious story that points to a spiritual truth. You've got to see this. Verse 9, chapter 18, he says, Some of who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down to everyone else, Jesus told a story. 
It says two men went up to the temple to pray, one Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. You got to see how he's talking to God. God, thank you. (laughs) Thank you that I'm not like the other people. Thank you, I'm not like the robbers. Thank you, I'm not like the evildoers. Thank you, Lord, I'm not like the adulterers. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not even like this petty tax collector who's standing right next to me. I'm like, come on, get real. Pharisee, you're, you're supposed to be connected with God, know God's word, you're supposed to be leading God's people. You put yourself in a self-righteous position and you're looking down at everyone else around you. God knew this to be true with us. Jesus knew this to be true. Jonah lived this to be true. And we do too. I don't know why that is. I don't. Jesus is saying, don't take your righteous position that I have given you and turn and look down at others right where you were. Bart and I were talking about this this, this past week. And when his office said, dude, let's just have a conversation. I got some things to throw off at your wall. And we started talking and he shared with me a little, a little snippet of a prayer that he, when he prays for over baptism, he says, I hope this is the least excited they are for Jesus at this point. The least. Why? Because those who are new in Jesus and walk with Jesus and get baptized, they, man, they have a fire within them. They're the most evangelistic people in the church. They want to tell everybody, he said, that's all we want. With a little fire there, man, that's just the beginning. We want you to be an inferno for Jesus Christ in this community. Because yeah. we want to tell people how Jesus, telling, how Jesus truly changes everything. Truth is, friends, we will always fight this. It's because we're not God. But it doesn't excuse us to live like a Jonah. Church, don't be a Jonah. Because we don't know who God's going to call to himself. We don't. We don't have a clue who in our lives are around us in our workplace. We have not a clue what God's going to do. But what we do know, because of of this book that God has preserved and given us, and we're reading together, right, we do know what his plan is. His plan is to use his church to reach people with the gospel, reach people with the message of hope, to reach people to come and have a loving relationship with him through Jesus Christ. God's grace is not fair. But the truth is God's grace is not about me. God's grace is not about you. God's grace is all about him, his purposes, his plan, and what he's called us to do. Amen? Do me a favor, look at the person next to you and say, it's not about me. Now look at the person, again, you just ignored and say to that person, it's not about me. Church, say it out loud with me once. It's not... Let's say it again. One more time. God's grace is not fair. The truth is God's grace is not about me. It's all about him. We need to remember. 
remember, remember, very, very fresh in our minds, that those who do not receive God's mercy and grace, their life surrendered to Jesus Christ by faith, they're going to a place that we believe what the Scripture says is an absolute horror. Hell is not an action word. It's not a descriptive word. It's not a word that we put in the middle of a sentence to make it look so colorful and pretty. Hell is a place that if we really understood it, we would never, ever, ever want anyone to go there. So when good things happen to bad people and we get our noses bent out of shape, why do they deserve this? Why do they have what I don't? Why are they thriving and I'm barely surviving? Maybe we need to stop and say to ourselves, it's not about me. When God calls someone to himself, that man, we looked at at some point in our lives and think, man, they're, less, they're worth less than dirt. And yet we've been praying for someone for 10, 15, 20 years and they're still rejecting God's mercy and grace through Jesus Christ. Say to yourself, maybe we need to say it out loud because that's when we're so frustrated. God, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about my plan. It's not what I want. I know it's not fair. It's all about you. Everything about everything is all about you. It's about his plan, his purposes. Churches, God wants you to thrive. Yes. Does he, he, does he want the best life for you? Yeah, just, you can't read this scripture and come out the other side without saying yes. Does he love you? He sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. Yes. But there's a far bigger plan than our own lives. Continue reading. Verse 5, Jonah had gone outside, out and sat down in a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Okay, God, this guy's crazy. He says, okay, fine, God, I'm not going to listen anymore. I'm going to go up here. I'm going to make myself all sorts of comfortable, and I'm going to wait for you to bring destruction. Whatever, Jonah. Verse 6, the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease the discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Sure he was. Verse 7, but dawn the next day, God provided, God showed up again, and it provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head, and he grew faint. He wanted to die, and he said, it would be better for me to die than live. We laugh, <laughs> but we act the same way. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I am so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, that you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. Then God makes it really clear, then I should not be concerned, concerned about a great city of Nineveh which is more than 120,000 people that can't tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. He's telling Jonah, listen, listen. Do you, have a, do you have a right to be angry? You didn't do anything for that plant. It's not about your plans. I'm the one provided. I'm the one that did. And shouldn't I have a, shouldn't I have a concern about the people that I created? Jonah, again, you're making it all about you. Your wants, 
your desires. And when I, God, don't do what you want, Jonah, you cry like a little baby. Friends, when we make God all about what we want, when we live that way out in life, we're making it all about us. We don't want the God of the Bible. We want a God of like a genie that we can run the lamp and he'll do what we say. The creator of the universe, God himself, is not the Burger King. Your way right away. He is not. He is the king of kings, and nothing compares to him. And as we discussed last week, he is full of love, mercy, and grace, and he's a God of second chances. And if you have given your life to him, you have received that, you've experienced that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And just as you have received it, and accepted it, and embraced it, we need to keep in mind that we're called to show mercy just as you were shown mercy. Right? His grace is not fair, but was just as we have been shown mercy, we need to show mercy on others. Now we can put mercy there, we can put love there, we can grace there in that sentence, because they all three go together like white on rice. Our pettiness continues to show God's greatness. What's incredible about this story isn't that there's a bunch of hypocrites like Jonah. What's incredible about this story is that God loves even Jonah. God who is generous with his grace but thorough and his discipline. We talked about that before. But God didn't send the storm to the Ninevites. God didn't send, send the fish to the Ninevites. God didn't make the plant grow for the Ninevites. God didn't send the worm to kill the plant for the Ninevites. God didn't send the hot east wind to the Ninevites. This story of how God not just loves violent, not religious Ninevites, but he also loves judgmental religious Jonas. And he's tried so many creative ways to get Jonah's attention. So listen, dude, just wave the white flag. Wave it. Surrender to me because there's a bigger plan in place. Jonah, it's not about you. It's about my mission to reach as many as I can with that same mercy and that same love and that grace and forgiveness that you've received over and over in the last few days. And it's time for you to share it and reveal it to the people that I've sent you to. That's what God is saying to us. That's what God is saying to his church this morning. So we're going to align our lives to his plans and purpose in this world. We become an effective witness for Christ. But when we refuse to change, if we refuse to step out, we refuse to reach out, we refuse to obey, when we continue to do battle with God, what does it say to the world around us? They're wondering if God is really true or exists. Well, if the people who say they love him are not living that way, or the people who are saying they love him are treating others that way, then why would he ever step foot in a church? Why would he ever open up our Bible? Why would he ever pray and surrender our life to Jesus Christ? Because there's no, they're no different than we are. But when the word of the Lord is revealed to us and we're living a life for Jesus, 
Not being judgmental Jonas, but living a life of mission and purpose. And our life shines. And people start seeing something different in us and how we treat and love other people around us. And they say, what is it? What is so different about you? And we can stop and point, say, Jesus. Church, you have been created on purpose for a purpose. You have been called on purpose for a purpose. You have been saved on purpose for a purpose. And that purpose is not always what we want, but it's always what God has planned. And God has planned for us, a vertical church that was established through his son, Jesus Christ, reach people, as many people, with the gospel message of Christ. God doesn't expect you to do everything, but he saved you to do something. Let me say it again. God doesn't expect you to do everything, but he saved you to do something. He didn't send Jonah to all over the world and said, Jonah, I'm going to give it to your responsibility to go every single city, every single town, every single you know, nook and cranny of the area, and I want you to do all that. He goes, no, 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 no. Jonah, I've saved you, I've called you, I'm sending you for a purpose to Nineveh. That's where you're called to go. That's what I'm asking you to do. You do, do something. So church, who is your Nineveh? Who is God sending you to? Who has he called you to reach? Who are you refusing to talk to? Let me just share, when you step out those doors, right, that is your mission field. That is your, your Nineveh. Every single person in this town and the surrounding towns and communities that reach that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that is our Nineveh. When you walk into Walmart, there is your Nineveh. When you go to a local restaurant, that is your Nineveh. All the schools, the community schools, every teacher, student, every, every employee, man, they are our Nineveh. Our neighbors are our Nineveh. It doesn't make, the, make a difference if we like them or not. It doesn't make a difference where they've done what they've done or where they have been. Because God has shown you mercy, church. He wants us to show mercy to them and reach them. He has forgiven you and you will forgive them no matter how far, how fast they have run from him. Listen, I get it. We all have people in our life that we would rather use a poison blow dart than to tell them about Jesus. They are in Nineveh. We all have people that are in our life that we would rather stab ourselves in the foot with a rusty fork than have an invite card and invite them to our church. Friends, they are your Nineveh. The people you think they'll never accept, the people you think they don't deserve, they are your Nineveh church it's time for us to surrender it's time for us to wave the white flag because God wants all of you right he wants all of you he wants to align your life to his purposes for your life our best life is waiting for it God's plan requires it and our Nineveh's need it 
So remember, as we wrap this up, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Him. And God made it abundantly clear through a guy so long ago for our sake, for an example, for you and I to learn from. And if you're in this room and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never embraced His grace and surrendered your life to Him, that's for you too. Church, let's go. Let's don't be a Jonah. Let's reach people with the greatest message ever given that Jesus saves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. God, this series, if we were paying attention, if we took our fingers out of our ears and we were listening to you, could radically change our lives. Not just for our sake. We understand that our lives of following Jesus is the best life possible. But it also aligns to your purpose, to your plan. There are so many people around us in life who don't know you. There are so many people around us in our community that don't have a relationship with you. God, help us get out of our own way. Because if they were to die today without you, they're going on a place that I read in Scripture scares me. So Lord, I pray for us as a church that we'll be fueled, that we'll be a raging inferno for your Son. Help us be missional in life to live every day for your glory, to pursue you and let our light and life shine so we can reach those who are far. God, I love you and I worship you. In your son's name I pray.